We are so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much in you and through you, and we would love to hear about it. Would you send us an email at shannon at hectorfirst.com to tell us your story? You can also go online and give to this ministry by going to hectorfirst.com and clicking the Give tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. Pastor Shannon, uh, man, what a privilege it is to be here and uh, just to be kind of back a little bit of the feeling of home. I uh, did spend 10 years uh, in the River Valley on staff at Russellville First Assembly. Uh, it was a great time for us. We did, like Pastor Shannon did, uh, like he said, just a little bit of it all, and, um, and, then, uh, and then spent a little time as lead pastor. We still live in Sheridan, still attending the church that we pastored. Um, God was God's grace was just uh, really really cool to allow us to transition and to stay there and it's a really cool story I'd love to share it with you sometime but um, uh, God is God's just been so faithful and if it's okay with you I just want to share I'll share some more at the very end but God's been really faithful to us in the last little while and we've spent a lot of time waiting uh, anybody ever been anybody ever waited for like God to do something in your life like waited forever and forever and forever and you're like, I don't know if God is hearing what is going on. I don't know if he's seeing what's going on in my life. And I will share in just a little while, but my, our family um, our family has grown exponentially in the last few months. Uh, and uh, usually, typically, we do try to let them uh, roll with us. But we have in our, uh, travel with me, but in our home right now, we have uh, a four-month-old, a 13-month-old, a 10-year-old and almost 13-year-old, all right? And until about four months ago, all we had was the 10-year-old and the almost 13-year-old. Um, our home has been open for adoption for, uh, for the last three years. We started this process in 20, uh, 2017 uh, in doing our, our, um, all of our, our work and our paperwork and our training. In 2018, our home was opened, and we went three years without anything happening. Like no phone calls, no nothing, no nothing, just absolutely nothing, just a whole lot of waiting, if you want to call it that. And, um, and so now, um, long story short, uh, we have two babies in our home, 13 months and almost four months. Like I said, if I look a little tired, it's because I am. It's because we don't sleep anymore. Uh, we, we had, before uh, these two babies came into our home, they were, uh, we, we were sleeping. It was nice. Uh, like our kids were half raised and everything was, was, uh, was, was, was nice. We were sleeping. It was good. Um, and now we're not again. So uh, it's all good, though, because it's all part of God's plan and his story in our lives. And I just want to, I don't know why I'm saying that right now. I just want to share uh, with you, if you're waiting on something or you've been waiting, God is faithful just hang on just a little bit longer. Just, the, 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 yeah, we'll just leave it at that, all right? Because I need to get into this word. I want to say thank you so much, Pastor Shannon, uh, Miss Susan, for allowing me to be here. Uh, I, I don't take this opportunity lightly. I, I was a pastor. The very first time that I had a guest speaker, I had I have white-knuckled the, uh, the back of the pew. I was holding on to it so tight. My blood pressure was through the roof. I was so nervous to let go of the pulpit uh, for the first time and eventually kind of relaxed and, you know, but 
but I do understand as a pastor what it's like to, uh, to, to sit instead of being up here, so I do appreciate it. Uh, Mackenzie, one of the finest youth pastors in all of, the, all of creation. You guys are blessed. Uh, any, anybody who comes from the Bland family, I believe, is, uh, is just a blessing from God, so I'm super thankful for that family. And, and also for Katie Joe, known Katie forever, feels like. Uh, so cool to see her um, using her gift um, in in this place. Uh, just yeah, I, I'm just super excited to uh, to see that. So very cool to be here. I want to share a story. Uh, it actually happened at Russellville First Assembly while I was on staff there, and uh, we had this uh, this big 35 passenger bus there. And I don't know, there, it just seemed like. It seemed like everything uh, that could go wrong with one of those buses goes wrong. I saw you. I think you guys have a people mover. Uh, you know, probably the next time you get it out, it'll probably fall apart. That's just the way it works. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, for whatever reason, uh, I was the one that was. Um, I, I just I happened to come across these random jobs while working at the church, and and so that day I was actually working on on the radio. And uh, and the whole like TV multimedia system and in the in our bus that we had there and I had the whole dash taken apart and my son Jackson who's now ten at that point he was like two maybe three and uh, he's in the back of the bus just chilling with me it was like bring your son to work day and uh, and so he's in the back of the bus I know he's there. But uh, I'm in the middle of the summer, sweat pouring off my face, the, even though it's running. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I have this dash completely taken apart. I'm working on, on this. And I say, Jackson, you doing okay? Crickets. And I look back <clears throat> where he was, and he wasn't there anymore. And I, uh, I got up from where I was left the dash completely taken apart. I walked to the back of the bus, pretty calm at this point because, you know, he's two or three. Yeah. And, uh, and so I walk back there. He's not there. I walk through the entire bus. He's not there. I walk outside the bus. I walk around the bus. I walk to the other side of my truck that was parked next to the bus. I walked all around the parking lot. We're right next to KFC, that parking lot right there. Um, big, busy highway coming through right there. And so then suddenly I began to think, okay, I have to find my son right now. <laughs> this cannot go on any longer. And so I looked and I looked and I looked and I couldn't find him. I began running down the street. I began yelling his name. I don't know that I've ever been so frantic. I don't know that my voice has ever been so shaky and so loud ever before and ever since. Uh, I was yelling. I was frantic. I was searching for my lost son. I did not know where he was. He's only two or three. I'm in big trouble, not just, not just with me, but with his mom, my wife. Um, uh, if I lose my son while working, I'm in, I'm in big trouble. So I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm desperate. I'm yelling. I'm going to the highway. I went, I went everywhere. I ran back up to the bus thinking maybe he has come back, circled back. I look in the passenger seat of my truck and there sits my son. And I was able to breathe because I found him. I want you to know that I love my son. I love all four of my kids. I would never want anything to happen to him. But it was on that day that I asked myself the question, in my search for lost people, people who do not know Jesus, in my search for the lost people of the world, how desperately am I actually looking for them? 
in that moment when my son, whom I loved and love, was lost, my search for him became very desperate. And I realized in that moment that maybe my looking for lost people did not come close to the desperation I had for finding my son. But is it any different with God? All of us are his sons and his daughters, and he's searching and he's looking, and he's looking for people who will look for lost people. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, very famous portion of scripture. Jesus said that he came to seek and to save that which was lost, to actually look for them. Most of the time we get set up in our little cozy churches with our ferns and our corny church signs. And, you know, if you're modern, you got snazzy lights and photo booth backdrops, hoping that people will just stumble into your church. And I'm not knocking any of that. I like your lights. But I want to ask the question, when was the last time that you went looking for the lost? When was the last time that we walked outside of our four walls for someone who didn't know Jesus? And, and when you encounter someone who is in need of a Savior, I want to ask, what will your answer be? Because the lost people are there, and looking for them is pretty simple. The question that I really want to ask this morning is, when Jesus calls you to action, what will your answer be? From the moment that Paul, formerly Saul, received his sight after meeting the Lord on the road to Damascus, Paul immediately, the Bible says, Acts chapter 9, verse 20, begins to preach Jesus Christ. Paul was very methodical in the way that he searched for, uh, for people. He was very methodical in the direction that he should go on the journeys that he would go on, the, the missionary journeys, as he was searching for the lost and if a door shut in one place, he would head in another direction. Go to the Bible and read it. I'm just paraphrasing what, what, what the, it kind of looked like that Paul did. And he would go in that direction until the Lord confirmed or denied that direction, and he would keep his ears open to hear from the Lord. And in Acts chapter 16, we read that Paul is facing some closed doors and he sees a man in a vision, chapter 16 of Acts, verse 9 and 10, during the night. Now, this is leading up to, this has been a moment where Paul has trying, is trying to be led by the Holy Spirit on which direction to go. Some doors have closed, and now he is asleep, and during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we, Luke is writing here, got ready at once, got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I'm going to say it again, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. One man, one man in this vision. I want to tell you right now, God has not called us to crowds. He has called us to obedience. 
I know that some of you, probably all of you, would love to see this church building filled. God is not calling us to see this church building filled. He's calling you to daily obedience. And the byproduct of that just might be that this church and every church in the River Valley be filled. He's calling us to obedience. And there are a couple of things, three things specifically that I want to point out about this pivotal moment in Paul's missionary career. He's going, he's going, he comes to a dead end, he comes to a stop, and then one man in a vision calls out to him, begging him to come to help. The first thing that I see in this story is that there was a cause. There was a single man, a, there, but there was a man, a human being, a lost soul, a cause in his vision that's calling out for help. Specifically, he's begging Paul, come to Macedonia, come to where we are. And there were people in the region of Macedonia who needed Paul to come and to preach the gospel. And in our world today, there are people that are coming up with all kinds of causes to fight for. <laughs> I'm going to make fun for just a second. Now, if you're on this list, I just apologize. I did not mean to personally offend you. But I can tell you, you can't go, you can't check out at Walmart or a gas station, Walgreens. You can't go anywhere without being hit up to donate some spare change or round up to the nearest dollar or give a dollar for, for some stuff. And I'm not saying all that's bad. I, I want the, the Cancer Association to find a cure for cancer. I want the Heart Association to, to continue doing research. But there are some things that my money is just not going to go to. Here's, here's a couple of things. I actually found there's some GoFundMe accounts that were actually set up for people looking for money. This is one of them. I booked the wrong plane ticket. Will you help me get some money to fix this problem? Seriously. This is another one. A person actually set up a GoFundMe account. That's, a, that's a, an online processing for people to ask for money. This person asked for money so that they could go through yoga teacher training. Mm -hmm. This person set up a GoFundMe account for $25,000 to train for and compete in the Ladies Pro Golf Association. This is my, this is my favorite one. This one, this person asked for money for her sister's gap year, like between high school and college. They wanted, they wanted money to be able to live off of for the year between high school and college. Another one set up that they decided to stay in New York City after their vacation was over, and they were asking people for more money. And then, and then one, one, this one person, they won $1.6 billion in the lottery. And the family has spent all that they had trying. No, no, no. They were looking for the lottery. That's what it was. And the family had spent all their money trying to get that lottery ticket, that winning lottery ticket. Listen, there are a lot of crazy causes in the world, but there is one cause, one cause that is worth fighting for, and that is to know God and to make him known. Listen, the family unit is in trouble. I don't know if you know this or not, but only 52% of kids last night said goodnight to both of their parents. And that statistic is a little, it's a couple of years old. The current statistics show us that the census that was taken in 2020 will likely show that there are more kids born outside of wedlock than inside of wedlock. 
every single day, kids under the age of five die in Africa and across the world just because they don't have access to clean drinking water. They're sick from waterborne illnesses, dying every single day. As a matter of fact, in the time that we're here, probably about 100 kids will die just because they don't have access to clean drinking water. There are some causes in the world. In India and other parts of the world, brothels pop up each day prostituting young girls who've been kidnapped or tricked and trafficked into sex slavery. I will tell you that this statistic blows my mind. Here in America, the average age of, the, of, a, of a sex trafficked victim is 12. My daughter is 12. That hurts my heart. There's a cause. There are natural disasters and famines that continue to strike the world. We're living in a pan- pandemic that's across the world. COVID at a brand new peak. There is a cause here in the United States, and there's a cause worldwide. There are people who are dying every single day who have not had an adequate presentation of the gospel and who are dying without knowing the love of Jesus Christ that we get to enjoy day after day after. Listen, there is a cause. There is also an answer, and it begins with our yes. I told you the question I was going to ask this morning is when God calls on you, when he calls you to action, what will your answer be? Listen, that answer is often brought. The answer of Jesus Christ is often brought to hurting people in a vehicle purchased by Speed the Lights. I just throw throw this in real quick. That's I think that's why I'm supposed to be here this morning. Talking to you this morning about missions, about Speed the Light, and about specifically the, the way that Speed the Light helps spread the gospel throughout the world. Oftentimes the answer of Jesus Christ is brought to hurting people in a vehicle purchased by Speed the Light, a cup of water from a well that is dug in villages across eastern Africa. Just this past year, a five-ton truck that Speed, Arkansas Speed of Light purchased for missionaries in Nicaragua. They, they brought 30 days' worth of food and supplies to hurricane victims. Now, it's one thing to be walking around dealing with COVID, and then a hurricane hits your country, and everything is, is turned upside down. And in a country where people work for daily wages, and then when they get done working, they go spend their money for the day's food because they don't have refrigerators and other ways to preserve their food, they're in trouble whenever their work goes kaput. And that's what happened in Nicaragua. We were able to partner with missionaries there, give them a five-ton truck that took the supplies, sitting in a warehouse, but had no way to get where they needed to go. 30 days worth of food and supplies went to the hurting people who literally would have died in flooded areas. If it wasn't from the flood and from not having any food, it would be because of COVID. One of the two would take them. But our missionaries stepped up. A mobile response. I'm talking about the answer and how it gets to hurting people. A mobile response unit operated by Free International that goes into hot spots and rescues young ladies from a life of sex slavery. I just want to tell you a real cool story that just happened last week. I was a general counsel in Orlando, Florida, and we uh, we purchased, Arkansas Speed Delight purchased a mobile response unit that Free International uses in order to go into what they call hot spots and do uh, these, uh, these uh, what do they call it, the big search. 
They go into hot spots. Every, every Super Bowl, they go into the city that the Super Bowl is at, and they, and they look for missing and exploited children. And this is what happened in Orlando, Florida, just last week. It's so awesome. I was walking through the exhibit hall at General Council. I see this truck that I was a part of purchasing, that you were a part of purchasing. I see this truck, and then I find out at the end of the week that they were going into a hot spot, and they were working with, lo- with local law enforcement, and there were 26 minors in the area who, who were lost. There were 26 minors who, who maybe nobody was looking for, who maybe law enforcement had lost their leads on. And the people with Free International who have clearance all the way up to the, to the attorney general, they went into that area and they found nine of the 26 children who were lost. And it happened on a vehicle purchased by Speed the Light. Now, I'll tell you, it gets really sweet because they were looking for this one one extra young lady as well, and they had some leads that took, her to, took them to some places, but they ran out of time. They turned that over to the local law enforcement, and after they left at the end of last weekend, after they left from, from Orlando, local law enforcement found a 10th person, a 10th young lady, younger than my daughter, who had been lost. And it happened because Arkansas Speed the Light was willing to invest in a missionary and, and in the equipment that they needed to go into cities like Orlando and find children. I'm talking about looking for the lost. I'm talking about bringing them back. There is a cause. There may be some ridiculous causes looking for your money in this world. I can tell you of one cause for sure that you will always get your money back on. You will always be blessed on, and that is when you give to, to missions. That's when you give toward the heart of God. Am I, am I in an Assemblies of God church that was founded on the idea that we could become the greatest missions movement ever? Am I, am I talking to you? If you've tuned out because you think this is just another mission service, I want to talk to you after service. I want to tell you lovingly and kindly, if you don't believe in this thing called reaching the lost, you are in the wrong place on a Sunday morning. All right, I'll move on. Sorry, Pastor Shannon. Look, there was a cause. In this story, there was a call. There was a man begging Paul to come. I can tell you today without a shadow of a doubt that there are people in all the regions of the world that are going to be hungry today. And without any hope of tomorrow, they they will cry themselves to sleep. Saying these words, God, somebody, please help me. Children in East Africa just begging somebody, please come help me. You have neighbors Students, there are students in your public schools that are daily crying out for someone to notice them, to pay attention to them, to help them. But this is what happens. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in our own lives. We're moving at the pace of lightning that we overlook those that are around us. We've become immune to the sound of people calling out for help. We're not paying attention to the warning signs of the people who are depressed, uh, to the warning signs of those who are lonely and those that are hurting. And, and when we do see someone, we think to ourselves often, well, somebody else will help them. That's somebody else's problem. Don't they have family? Don't they have friends? Don't they have a pastor that can help them? Don't they have somebody? That is often our answer. Tell me the truth. 
Shame the devil. God this morning is saying, no, you help them. There's not a better you in this world. There's, there's not another you in the situations and the opportunities that you have. There's not another you in your school or in your workplace or in your family. You have been called to do what you can do. And I've been called. I, God is saying I've called you to transform this world. Mm. Listen, this is your opportunity to give God your yes. I've alluded to it a couple of times. I'll say it a couple more times. This is your opportunity this morning to lay down your preferences and your pride and your selfish ambitions and to tell the God of the universe that you're willing to be used however he pleases. I laugh at the disciples often. You know, these guys, they ended up changing the world, but I don't know. I mean, other than the Holy Spirit, I don't know how they got there, you know. I just read through the Gospels. I just laugh at them sometimes. In the story of the, the feeding of the 5,000, follow with, with me if you will there. They, they come to Jesus. Jesus has been speaking to them. They come to Jesus and, they, and they're like, Jesus, the crowd won't go away. And they're hungry because they've been listening to you preach for a very long time. <laughs> and, and the disciples tell Jesus, you need to tell them that they need to go into the countryside because they're listening to you. They need to go to other places, and they need to get some food. They need to get something to eat. In other words, the disciples are saying, this is somebody else's problem. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. That's when I just laugh. I just, mm, way to go, Jesus. <laughs> Savage Jesus, going after them. <laughs> you go tell them something. You go give them something to eat. He's like, I called you 12 to make a difference in this world. And the same is true today. God is still working through his creation to reach his creation. He's still calling people, imperfect people, might I add, like you and like me. He's still calling people like us to change the world. If we'll only listen to his voice and be courageous to say yes. If we'll only be courageous to obey it. I want to tell you about Pastor Moshe. He was called to be a pastor while living in Tanzania, Eastern Africa. He felt the call to go to Mafia Island. I don't know if you've ever heard of Mafia Island, but Mafia Island was once a prison. It was once, it's just right off the coast of Tanzania. It's where the Tanzanian government would send uh, anyone, basically, who rebelled. Anybody who was in trouble, they, anybody who they didn't like, basically, they just sent them to Mafia Island. A small little island just off the coast of, of Tanzania. It's an extremely dark place, 97% Muslim. Pastor Moshe felt the call. I'm talking about the call this morning. Pastor Moshe was scared to death when he arrived on the island, but he knew that one thing was certain God had called him to be there to pastor. This is where Speed the Light kicks in. I love this. After several years of being there, seeing minimal results just because of the darkness of the, of the area. I, I, how much time do I got? I'm all right. Let me just, let me just share this. Let me just, I, sometimes if you've never been overseas, if you've never been to a, to a foreign country, if you've never seen how things operate in other places, sometimes our perspective is totally messed up. Am I right? We Americans sometimes don't get it. Let me just explain what happens in Mafia Island whenever you become a Christian. 
in this area, because of the, the darkness of, mus- of, of Islam, the darkness of witchcraft that's taking place, if you give your heart to Jesus, this is what you have to do. You have to go to the center of the town, stand up in front of everybody, and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Do you know what happens when you stand in front of the darkness of the enemy, people who do not like Christians, you stand in front of them and declare that Jesus is Lord, you pretty much put a death sentence on your head. This is the area that I'm talking about. This is the difficulty that Pastor Moshe was dealing with. This is what happened. World Serve International, one of our partners with Speed the Light, they went into Mafia Island, went into the community, went into the church land that Pastor Moshe pastored, and they dug a well. I'm not just talking about any well. I'm talking about a real full-scale, solar-powered, big reservoir going down to the deep parts of the earth, getting the real water, putting a filter on it, and not just one of these you got to pump. No, I'm talking about one of the fancy ones, like where you turn the knob and the water comes on. Pastor Moshe began not just ministering spirit to their spiritual needs, but then began to meet some of their physical needs because water is scarce in that area. And what, what began to happen is people began to hear about this water that they could come get, this, this liquid water. And what would happen is they would come for the physical water and they would leave meeting the eternal living water. His name is Jesus. And And what happened is Pastor Moshe tells about how God just began to transform the area and his church because now people were okay with giving glory to God and calling on the name of Jesus and saying that he was Savior and Lord because their physical needs were met and now their spiritual needs were met as they met a Savior. I'm talking about the opportunity to change the world if we will just listen for the call. Thirdly and finally, I'm wrapping it up. There was this commitment. This is the same thing I'm calling you to. Verse 10 of Acts chapter 16. I read it a moment ago. Paul's response was immediate. The way that the Bible reads, they may have even gotten up in the middle of the night. Their response was, was immediate. It's very, very simple. This is how they were able to do it. This is how Paul, this is the why, this is why Paul was able to get up in, the mom, in that moment and head toward Macedonia because he had already gotten the yes out of the way. He didn't wait until God had called him to a particular area to decide if his answer was yes or no. He didn't wait for that moment to decide Is this the right thing? Is this not the right thing? He didn't wait for that moment to decide, am I strong enough or am I not strong enough? God, are you going to go with me? or No, his answer was already yes before God spoke. I'm just going to sit here just for a second and get this long before he saw the cause. Long before he heard the man begging for help in his vision, Paul had already said yes. Listen, we cannot wait until the time comes that we are asked the question to make a decision when it comes to the calling and the drawing of the Holy Spirit. We need to decide long before God speaks to us that our answer will be yes. It's a commitment that I'm calling you to, and in just a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to. 
A.W. Milne was one of the missionaries known as one-way missionaries. I'm talking about commitment. I'm talking about saying yes. They packed their few belongings in a coffin and purchased a one-way ticket to the mission field. They didn't fear for their lives because they had already, in their minds, died. When A.W. Milne died after living for 35 years among a tribe in the South Pacific, his tombstone read, when he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. I'm talking about a commitment to saying yes to Jesus when he calls. I'm talking about this morning specifically speed the light and the opportunity that it gives. It's been committed to making a difference in the world. Since 1944, teenagers and churches across America have raised over $300 million to see the world reach for Christ. They did that by supplying missionaries with the vehicles and the equipment and other compassionate avenues that gave them the opportunity to spread the gospel. That's not the best part. Look, I, look, your pastor was a recipient of Speed the Light. I love seeing what he was able to do and where he was able to go with what we purchased for him. But I would tell you that that is a byproduct of what Speed the Light is really about. Speed the Light is really about giving a teenager the opportunity to have his or her heart captured by the heart of God to reach the ends of the earth. It happens through the tangible efforts of Speed the Light. Some of our teenagers will purchase their first vehicle, and it won't even be one that they drive. It'll be one that a missionary drives. It, it, Speed the Light becomes a bridge that, call, that God uses to call young men and women to the mission field. It's why I'm committed to giving students across Arkansas opportunities to give and to see their dollars make a difference almost immediately. There aren't too many other places where you can give and by the end of the year see the tangible efforts, the tangible product that you've given toward. I, I hope I'm connecting with you. Mackenzie, Pastor McKenzie, if you want to come and play for a second, that'll be fun. I don't want to leave you. I don't want to leave you hanging, so let me answer this question. Did Paul ever meet that one man in the vision? This is what he did do. In verse 14, he met Lydia, a Christian who Paul had baptized. The Bible says she became a stronger Christian. Verse 16 through 18, he cast out an evil spirit. In verse 25 through 34, we hear the story of the Philippian jailer. He found himself in a very desperate situation. Paul was there and willing to serve the very man who had previously treated him harshly. Paul was placed in an area of the prison that was reserved for the most dangerous of criminals. And when he had the opportunity to escape, he didn't. Instead, he led the Philippian jailer to the Lord and his whole house was saved. I believe that Paul did exactly what he was supposed to do, and it all happened because his answer was yes when God called. His answer was yes. Now, if you have time for just one personal story I want to share, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to do what I did several years ago. Several years ago, I was challenged 
with this same, same idea to get the yes out of the way. It became something, a little bit of a mantra for me and my wife, Lindsay, that if God spoke to us, if God opened the door, if God made the way, our answer was going to be yes. As we felt like we were transitioning or felt like we were about to transition from Russellville, we had a couple of opportunities to go to what you might call a sweet setup for a pastor. Might, might even say it's a, it's a good situation, a good place, a healthy church. But we didn't feel God calling us to those places. And then that call came from Sheridan First Assembly, a church who had struggled for the last several years. Once running over 200, once having money in the bank was now under 40 people who were just struggling to make it happen. But that's where God called us to. And because we had already made the commitment to God to get the yes out of the way, even though it didn't look all that fun, our salary would be cut in half. We'd be living in a nasty parsonage. Our family would have to move. Our answer was yes. And so when God called, we said yes. We didn't hesitate. And we went and we saw God do some amazing things in that church. We've continued to live by that yes. A year later, Brother Moore, our superintendent at that time, came to us and said, we feel like you are our next district youth director. And I said, <laughs> that's funny. I have a church music degree from a Bible college that doesn't exist. I've been a part-time youth pastor for only four years of my 12 years in ministry. And you want me to be the youth director? <laughs> Our answer was yes. Just a few months ago, our final our latest, it's not definitely not our final, but our latest test from God, if our answer would be yes, came when we got the call from an adoption specialist from our caseworker with DHS asking us if we'd be interested in an eight-month-old baby girl. Now, I will tell you, I thought I was done raising babies. I thought I was, I thought, I thought I was done. In our mind, we were going to get a sibling group that were close to our son's age. That's, that's what's been on our hearts since we knew adoption was what God had called us to when Lindsay and I were teenagers. Another story for another day. But for the last 16 years, 17, almost 18 years, that adoption has been on our heart. It's always been a sibling group just a little younger than our youngest son. Keep the birth order the same and, and adopt and call it good. But it's always been a sibling group. That's always, always been the plan from the very beginning. And in, in March, we got this phone call. It was the very first phone call in three years of having our home open with Arkansas DHS. The only phone call that we received that went like this, we have an eight-month-old baby girl available. We would like to know, would you like to adopt her? We said yes. We didn't have a choice. This is, the, this is the door that God had opened. Did it look like what we planned on? Absolutely not. Did I feel like changing more diapers? Probably not. 
But we said yes because we felt like the Lord was in it. We felt like God had opened this door. It was the only door that God had opened. So we said yes. And, and just a few days later, we got to meet this beautiful young girl. So sweet, so special. We brought her into our home on April 9th. And, um, and she began to live with us. It was, a, it was, just, it was just awesome. She still, though she was perfect for our family, in the back of our minds, we're thinking, God, this really isn't what we thought would take place. But we said yes because this is what you called us to do. So we're saying yes. We got the yes other way a long time ago, so we're saying yes. We got her on April 9th, and on April 19th, we got a text from our caseworker. Hey, just want you to know, your baby girl's birth mom just gave birth to another boy, to another baby. And um, he was born 10 weeks early. He's in the NICU. But I want you to know, you're probably going to get a phone call. And he's probably going to be offered to you because he's born into the same situation as his older sister. So sorry, I have not shared this story much, not publicly anyway. And so for the next, uh, we got to meet him on May 5th. We spent the next 20, 25 days visiting him in the NICU. We began to see God just do some incredible things. And on May 31st, we brought him home a month earlier than the doctors anticipated. This morning, I kissed him on my way out of the house. And by the end of this year, we will have adopted these two beautiful babies, siblings. And it happened, I'll, explain, I'll say it like this, it wouldn't have happened if we would not have said yes to our baby girl. The door that God had opened, but because our answer has been yes for so many years, our answer was yes in that moment, and literally nine to ten days later, the rest of the story came to fruition. Now, I'm calling on you this morning. I'm asking, I'm begging you. I'm, I want you to understand there, this, this message, it, I don't know, it may have affected you, it may not. You probably have already forgotten the three points in case you have it's cause, call, commitment. But the thing I want you to get out of today more than anything else, is that the next time that God speaks to you, that your answer is yes. No matter what it looks like, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, no matter how much you think you're going to have to trust in God, which is a good thing, by the way, that your answer would be yes. Would you stand with me and close your eyes just for a moment? Holy Spirit, I sense that you're working in this room because I sense that you're working on my heart. Lord, last night, I didn't understand why I was having the feeling, but I think I understand now. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, uh, last night I was, I was struggling with fear, which is very, very 
outside of the norm for me. I'm, I'm not a fearful person. Uh, but I, I began to, it was just very out of the ordinary, very, very, very strange, very counter who I am. And I began to feel it. And I, I even, I spoke it out loud to Lindsay. Fear, fear is, is getting the best of me. I don't understand why. I don't, I don't know what's going on. This morning as I pulled in, I began to, to understand. I felt like the Holy Spirit was, was, was putting that in, in my mind and in my heart to help me minister to someone this morning. And so before I ask the, this, this major question, and I'll tell you what the question is before I ask it, it is I'm asking you to commit to get the yes out of the way. That's, the, that's a very simple response today, but it is very profound because if you say it and you make that commitment to me and to God, I'm expecting you to keep it. But maybe you're here this morning and, and you are afraid to say yes because you're just dealing with fear in general in your life. You're dealing with fear over either your health or your finances or a situation in your life. There's something that is causing you to keep from saying yes to God again. And so if you're here, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. If you're here this morning and you feel like the Holy Spirit is, is just zeroing in on you right where you're at because there is a fear issue in your life, would you just raise your hand? I just want to see you. I, don't, I just want to see if God's confirming. There's one hand. Is there anybody else? There's another. There's two, three. Anybody else before I ask this response? I want to pray with you. Three seconds. Two seconds. Holy Spirit, you see us right where we're at. Lord, you've seen three hands. I've seen three hands. Lord, there may be other hearts in the room that are experiencing this. Lord, I feel like that tangible weight that you put on me last night, that tangible weight that I felt of fear. I pray that those that are experiencing the same thing that are in the room this morning, or maybe watching online, God, that in the name of Jesus, you would overcome it all. Lord, there is no place, there is no place in in the Christian's mind and heart for fear because you've removed it all, God. When we put our trust in you, the one who created all of this, the one who stands in the middle of time, the, the, the God who is more able and more willing and more capable of anything that we could even dream of, God, when we put our trust in you, and that's the key this morning for those dealing with fear, when we put our trust in you, fear has to subside. It has no answer to your greatness. Fear has no answer to your track record. Fear has no answer. It has no rebuttal to your greatness and to your awesomeness and to your faithfulness and to what you have proven to us time and time again. So I pray it in the name of Jesus that fear is gone as we trust in you 100%. just believe it right now in the name of Jesus. And now for this response, what this message is all about. If you're here this morning, and I'm asking something really big, I'm asking something bigger than you, 
I'm asking you to commit to get the yes out of the way. That before God speaks his next word to you, before he asks you to speak to the person that you haven't spoken to in years, before he asks you to share hope with the friend or the family member that you know is living without Christ, before students, before he speaks to you about doing something great in your school, before he speaks to you about speaking to a friend and inviting them to, to church, before he speaks to you today about a dollar amount to give so that souls can be saved, our answer has to be yes. And so it's a big calling. And so I'm asking you, this is the only way that you're going to be able to show to me today that your answer is yes. And that is very simply to raise both of your hands to heaven in complete and total surrender saying, God, my answer is yes. If that's you this morning and your answer is yes to God, would you just lift both your hands to Jesus in total surrender? This is this is for every person in this room. Not all of us will say yes. Not all of us will get the yes out of the way. But for those that do, I pray God's greatest blessings on you as you obey him. So God, I pray with right now for those who have lifted their hands, those who have said yes to you, those who before you speak to them the next time, those who are making this commitment in this moment to say yes no matter the call, Lord, whether it is to walk across the street or to get on a plane and go to another country to share your gospel, our answer is yes. Lord, the next time you speak to us about giving sacrificially, our answer is yes. The next time that you call us to just speak a kind word to a stranger, our answer is yes. The next time you ask us to pay for the groceries in front of, the, in front of us, our answer is yes. God, before you ask us to forgive those who have wronged us, our answer is yes, Lord. Before the next time that you call us to do something that in our eyes seems impossible or we're incapable of accomplishing it on our own, our answer is yes. Our answer is yes, God. Help us today. Give us the strength and the courage to get our yes out of the way. And Lord, like so many have before, I pray that when that moment comes, and you call on us, and you ask us, and our answer becomes yes, Lord, that you will bless the obedience in our hearts.